I thought I think I was going to say I thought the I thought. style of this movie was great. You might want to say that one more time. I like the aesthetic of this movie. I like the style. And I think it Fuck goes off, with <laughs> Hello and welcome to New Day New Movie, the Indian Podcast, brought to you by Sparrow Pizza. Really? No. Oh, I got all excited. <laughs> the, where we watch uh, movies. Yeah, 365 of them in in the same amount of days. Yes. <laughs> I'm Mitch. I'm Scott. And today we have a special guest. Yes, to kick off our second month. We have a very special guest. The first person crazy enough to say, sure, I'll watch a movie every day with you morons. She's a very talented artist doing pieces such as our official New Day New Movie Art, as well as lots of wonderful fan art and other products you can find under her name, Peachy Pit. But most importantly, she puts up with my bullshit and I love her. It's my fiance, Jess. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm Why? excited to talk about movies. Why did you want to watch a movie every day this week? Well, <clears throat> you have to watch a movie every day. So she likes spending time with you is what she's trying <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, I guess. Am I Something you? like that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the only time I get to see you, Scott, is when you're watching a movie and you're never happy. I don't even watch the movie. I just wistfully look over at you the whole time because <laughs> I I miss you so much. <laughs> Well, are you excited? Yeah, I am. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad that you guys wanted to have me on. Now that it's done, would you do it again? Yeah, in like a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, that's that's the answer I'm looking for. Yeah, this is a tough week to jump into. This was our longest week of movies. We had, what, 14 hours of movies this week? And it was by far the most draining. There were a lot of emotional movies this week. I don't think I've cried that many times in one week. Just from watching movies. <laughs> it's because of Shang-Chi, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cried real, at Shang-Chi too. <laughs> really pulled on my heartstrings. So how's everybody uh, doing this week? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. <laughs> Sweet, guys. I'm okay. Man, this, this uh, I already said, this was one of the most draining weeks. Like, don't put two divorce movies in the same week ever again. I don't know if there are two other divorce <laughs> movies we could put in. <laughs> That's it. You, we watched them all. <laughs> but we did put John Cena in between it. Yeah, that was a nice break. <laughs> but we definitely needed that break, I think. We'll get to those because I really enjoyed those, but I don't want to start talking about it too early. But we started off our week uh, on Monday with Sean Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, followed by Moonrise Kingdom on Tuesday, Kramer versus Kramer on Wednesday, Fighting with My Family on Thursday, Marriage Story on Friday, Eternals on Saturday, and Night Teeth to wrap up the week uh, uh, this morning. All of them seem like years ago. You're only one week in. I know. It's hard yeah, to remember. Isn't okay, <laughs> can I just preface with saying that I have ADD. So it's true. watching movies, especially watching this many <laughs> movies that are this long can be like really difficult for me. Like Moonrise Kingdom, until we start talking about it, I honestly can't remember what the movie was about. To be fair, I think that was the shortest movie on the list it, this it week. It was. But yeah. I think I think that was the movie that I was talking about where I said I liked it was really artsy. I'm sure that's probably the one you're thinking of just because of the, the style movie. of Well, it yeah. definitely wasn't the, the director. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> Those stand out this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be interested to hear your guys' take on that because uh, just 
from a, getting a prenup. Was this? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was this was this your like master plan, Mitch? <laughs> to have her you were, on the you were we trying to make me movies. watch divorce movies so that I wouldn't want to get married to Scott and you could just take him for yourself. <laughs> we did get engaged a while back, <laughs> before your time, <laughs> before my time. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, to say the least, it was a week of movies, and that is to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should jump movies. into them though, because there's quite a lot, got a lot to, to, to unfold. Yeah. Today, so so let's start off with Monday as we do so often. Would you like to read the first the synopsis? Synopsis. Sure. Shang Chi, the master of weaponry based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. So, what do you think of the movie, Jess? This is uh, I just the first one that you kind of get to talk about out of uh, this experience. So, my notes for the movie were mm-hmm. such a fun movie. And that's because while we were watching the movie, I probably said that like 20 times. <laughs> so you enjoyed it though? Um, or you're being sarcastic? <laughs> yeah, sarcasm there doesn't parts, come through very well in audio. So you really need to force it. Such such a fun movie. Um, no, there were parts of it that I did enjoy. And there were parts that were like, just because I feel like I'm so tired of Marvel movies. And I mean, we'll get to it on Saturday since that technically was another Marvel movie, but I'm just like, I was kind of feeling the same way on Saturday where I'm just like, I just want it to be over kind of thing. Mm. Like, I feel like they're all the same story and I'm just like ready for something new. Yeah. Superhero. Find out he's superhero. Yeah. Fight big guy. Win day. Yep. Yeah. And I just like, it's, it's (laughs) difficult, right? When you have so many characters that you're trying to introduce and you're, essentially like weeding some out as you're pulling some in that you need to, you have to start at the the base, which (laughs) and go all the way to the tip. (laughs) But no, I mean like you got to start with their origin, right? And you can't pull a a DC and just throw in a bunch of characters. Like, I think that's what Marvel does good though, is that they try to, they don't do that. They try to establish who (laughs) these characters are so they can use them and not just throw them all in a movie and call it justice league. But I like this movie for all of the things that it did right. And that's a weird thing to say, but I think this was the best choreographed fighting movie that Marvel has ever done. Um, and Absolutely. I actually watched a video on Corridor Crew just this morning, actually, about this movie. And they had two of the action designers and stunt coordinators who worked on the movie actually on the show to talk about the fight scenes. Oh, nice. So they essentially had complete creative freedom when being able to choreograph this movie, like there was no pushback from the director or the producer or anything. They're like, we want you to take this in the direction that you want to. And they were pulling inspiration from Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, like all of these big name, like martial artists in the past. And it definitely, you know, played through, especially like sometimes you get like one fight, right? I feel like they got every fight. Oh yeah. Every, that was the best part of the movie was the fighting. And usually, especially lately in Marvel movies, they kind of get a little, over the top and mm-hmm. there's just a bunch of crap going on and it's hard to tell what's going on because it's all just CG and this one was really there wasn't any quick cuts to make it seem more exciting than it is because the people who were actually doing the fighting were trained well equipped to do yeah, so trained right? professionals I mean, yeah the main guy I thought for being a fighter his acting was mm-hmm. great too I mean so something that they also explored though on the corridor crew um, this morning was that bus scene. So that was pretty much like a giant animatronic bus 
Yeah. That was pretty much like able to be lifted and moved in any direction, kind of like the inception room that you could rotate mm-hmm. in like 360 degrees and they had wires coming through and the part, the bus could part into two ways. Like everything was just blue screened on there. So all of the action events and everything and the bus rolling and all of that was completely filmed correctly, which was really cool. I don't know. It was just, it was nice to see that people who are experts in their field were able to actually be experts without kind of being told what to do because they sure. got the chance to actually showcase what they knew and they were talking about like they even had chairs like next to the director they had their own director's chairs with their (laughs) names on it and it was like the little things that mattered to them but they're like yeah we want you sitting here we want you watching the scene we want you to kind of give us feedback as to like what we could do better or how we should film this and some of them even got to like operate the camera and it was was cool kind of getting really shows i mean outside experience on that yeah like that was one of the things that i liked about the movie too was the fights but can i just say that bus scene that you were talking about mm-hmm. looked way better than the triple x scene <laughs> where he's running through the airplane did they have anybody jumping or running through the bus <laughs> as it flew off the big guy maybe i think I he did didn't he he like ran to the front oh but he was he was hopping through well he bus was also getting like thrown around that scene stuff. was sick i really enjoyed and he that. actually did all of his own stunts in that they showed some footage from behind the scenes of him actually like learning all of that and being able to like jump over all of the poles and wrap around himself and everything was like i don't know it's just really well executed so disregarding any of the plot or anything like that i mean you, you can't help but like just appreciate what they did with the fighting in that movie. I think stuff like that, like what you were talking about with how they brought in the moving set kind of thing, I think aspects like that that make it more realistic or like for me, I much more appreciate like real things opposed to CG things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's way more impressive when they're building a complete set just for this one scene to make it look good. Like Psycho Gorman, like I really appreciated all of the special effects that they did for the actors. Yeah, Yeah, because they looked like puppets or something that you would find out of the 80s. And that's, I think, what kind of gave it its charm. So when like modern movies like this one bring in sets like that, I think it's really impressive. And rather than just having a team full of artists go, okay, just make it look good. Yeah, here's a tennis ball on a stick. We're going to run around the room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Focus on the tennis ball so it looks like you're looking at the dragon that we're about to put in. However, I think as a computer-generated forward society we are now, I think we have big monsters down. Oh, I think Godzilla probably helped push that a lot. I thought all of the monsters in this movie were fantastic. Yeah, and I think that kind of just goes to showcase, and we've talked about it, but you know, having the correct use of practical effects and special effects mm-hmm. and interwinding them and not essentially relying on either one, but having them both benefit one another... Because we have like the choreograph fight scenes for the practical for effects, and then you have these incredible CGI Huge monsters, monsters that, dragons, yeah, right. that are just—I don't know—I I can't imagine being an actor and having to like to act visualize something that something, isn't there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's got to be hard, right? Oh, I'm sure. I feel like it's similar with any artistic thing, though. Like it's like audio. You don't want a singer relying on auto tune to make something. You want them to work together Auto-tune to make is a, right. It's like a, a tool, tool to, to to clean it up or to make it sound a little bit better or more crisp or and that's kind of how I feel movies should work with CG. It mm-hmm. but most modern movies, at least that I've seen, are it's fine. We'll just CG the whole they thing. They rely on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a 
and we've had those movies, right? We had Avatar, we had uh, The Hobbit, and obviously I think those were necessary components to get us to the point to where we are now, is that we kind of had to learn through those push, things right? to, yeah, be able to get better. But I don't know, this was a this was definitely a really nice change for me in Marvel movies. Like, after watching it, I was pretty excited to see just kind of like... I don't know, the after credit scene where they're kind of like trying to figure out the origin of the Ten Rings and you have like Hulk who's not Professor Hulk anymore. Like, it's kind of exciting, especially since it's something that we've kind of all grown up with, at least us three being in kind of the age ranges that we are, mm-hmm. to kind of see yeah, just this mass universe. And then obviously I think they fell short on it with the Eternals, but <laughs> that's Saturday's talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, but uh, we definitely kind of changed the tune going into Tuesday, though, with uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Different style, different approach, different everything. Style. Style is a word we're going to use a lot, I think. (laughs) But yeah, so Tuesday we watched Moonrise Kingdom. Set on an island off the coast of New England in the 1960s, as a young boy and girl fall in love, they're moved to run away together. Various factions of the town mobilized to search for them, and the town is turned upside down, which might not be such a bad thing. So this was definitely a Wes Anderson movie. Yes. Um... (laughs) But no, this is definitely right up this his alley his for his style. Yeah. Like he's got look such at, a recognizable. Yeah, there's a lot of symmetry in his shots. The colors always have a lot of purpose behind them. Every single camera movement is so precise and mm-hmm. so exactly what they want you to do. Like he'll, he's kind of the master at like trucking shots, which is essentially where your camera is moving from left to right. One of the scenes in the beginning when they're at the camp. The troop master yeah, walking across and all the things happening. Yeah, yeah, shows you every single thing. It introduces a bunch of characters all through one camera shot. And mm-hmm. it's just like seven different situations. And I don't know, his style is really cool, but I, I get that some people might not like it. Yeah. I really enjoy this movie. And I think it showcased the awkwardness of being a teenager really well. Mm-hmm. Like I worked with high schoolers. Right. So you can kind of see, you know, their development, obviously, from the age of 14 through 18 of just mainly their personalities and how those things are you know, like they're trying to figure out who they are, mm-hmm. kind of what they want to do with their lives. With yeah. Social interaction is huge in high school. And this was just a really good way to kind of capture those awkward teenage years, essentially. Right. Where you have two kids who made eye contact at a play and they fell in love and they want to run away together and they want to experience their lives. They want to be adults. They want to be seen as older. They, you know, they don't quite fit into the the cliques and the crowds of their friends, but they find interest in one another. And I don't know. I, I thought this was a, a pretty enjoyable movie. No, I really liked it. There was one scene that specifically stood out to me and it's when they're um, on the phone and the entire like it's the screen is split in half and like one side of the phone is on one hand and the other is on the other side of the screen. And like on that one side, everything was yellow. Yep. Like all of it was yellow. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really cool because it, it almost looked like an Ikea commercial. If that, yeah, where, where like, style. yeah, where like <laughs> all of the colors kind of meshed together, but they like complemented each other with the patterns mm-hmm. and like there he had a tie on and that kind of broke up the yellow so that you knew like what to focus on and where your focal point was for who you're looking at. So I'm not great with colors and I'm glad you bring up this point, but I just looked up essentially the color yellow meaning, right? It says, it's the color of happiness, optimism, and of enlightenment and creativity, but lurking in the background is the dark side of yellow, which is cowardice, betrayal, egoism, and madness. 
And that's essentially when they're on the phone talking about if the foster house is going to take back the kid or not. And they're like, no, we're not having him back. He's just mm-hmm. too much of a problem, right? And like that color yellow kind of enforces that, you know, betrayal of the color yellow. Like there's just so much purpose behind everything in a Wes Anderson film. But mm-hmm. he's not like the guy on the phone on the side with the yellow. He's not rude about it. He's no. very polite talking to the officer. No, it definitely came across that way. Like he was being polite and he was trying to just say like, but at the same time, it's a pretty dark thing to do to a kid right. yeah. who just doesn't, like, he lost his family. He has nowhere to go. And they're like, it's uh, the state's problem now. Like, it's, there's definitely a, a darker tone, but I could see, like, no, I the guy on the phone is more uplifting. And he's just like, is what it is. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like, we just don't want him back. Yeah. yeah tell him we're really sorry. Yeah. I think that's a, that's another Wes Anderson, how he portrays his characters in the movies, too, is they're all, like, interactions are so rigid mm-hmm. and, awkward and everyone kind of says what they're thinking he almost removes body language from some interactions yeah everybody definitely there's not a lot of theatrics to it right there's not a lot of flashy hand movements to like show people talking expression vocal inflections a big thing everything's straight to the point and and, yes it's dramatic in a different way yeah Mm -hmm. because a lot of his movies are about relationships or personal mm-hmm. kind of interpersonal inter- exactly yeah. but again like we said removing a lot of the the cryptic things we do as humans to kind yeah. of he makes you laugh at dark shit yeah a little bit it's like the plight of humanity yeah yeah that's, that's a good, good way, way to put it, it. Yeah. yeah like look at all these shitty things that happen to humans <laughs> yeah, exactly we're all okay it'll be fine that's kind of how i took it yeah I'd watch more because there's a few that I have. You seen the Royal Tenenbaums? I have not, and that one has Ben Stiller. And mm-hmm. that's one of the few that I have wanted to see, and I think I've tried in the past, and I don't know, it, it didn't quite click for me. Mm-hmm. I never watched past the first few minutes or something. But now that we don't have a choice to sit through the movie, I'd be willing to. It yeah, is. That's kind of funny, right? Just. Once we have it on our list and we hit play, there's no turning back. Yeah, it's like is you it are is. committed now. And Yeah, how does it feel to not have to do that anymore? At least for a few months. Yeah, until you want to do it again. I, guess. I feel fine. You guys will make it. <laughs> I feel like I'm slowly losing my mind. <laughs> you want to do it for the next <laughs> month with this and talk? I believe in you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we definitely shifted the tables, right? Moving into Wednesday. Yeah. Um, with our first... Uh, Divorce from movie. happy to miserable. Kramer versus Kramer. Ted Kramer is a career man for whom his work comes before his family. His wife, Joanna, cannot take this anymore, so she decides to leave him. Ted is now faced with the task of housekeeping and taking care of himself and their young son, Billy. When he has learned to adjust his life to these new responsibilities, Joanna resurfaces and wants Billy back. Ted, however, refuses to give him up, so they go to court to fight for the custody of their son. So... The one reason I chose this movie this week was because I had Marriage Story on our list, and there was things that I had read about how this could have inspired Marriage Story. Not that there's any proof behind it. I don't see how there isn't. But, I mean, very similar Down to stories, the music, right? styling of scenes and fades. and I mean, what I'll say about this, and it's going to be hard not to talk about Marriage Story without this, but... This one definitely follows more of the events of like a relationship between a father and a son with kind of like the added 
of divorce at the end of it versus I think marriage story is solely the process of divorce. Yes. I, I would agree that this was more of a this was more about the custody portion of things after the divorce wasn't even really discussed. They weren't fighting over assets. They weren't it was it was solely about custody. Yes. And it was a much easier watch than marriage story, I think. I would agree. I, I'm glad we watched this first, just because I seeing the similarities between the two movies definitely came through, and they were both exceptional movies. Like this won five Oscars, right? Best actor in a leading role, best supporting actress, best picture, best director, and best screenplay. Like they had a lot of things going right for them in this movie. They had the cast to support it. This was what from the 1970s, 1979. You could definitely see like. <laughs> The differences of just the way of life from then oh, yeah. to now. Oh, yeah. Dustin Hoffman, at one scene in this, like, he gets a job because he had lost his previous job. He has to find new work within a day or, like, there's no chance that he's going to win custody. And he immediately walks out into the Christmas party and just, like, kisses somebody. He straight up sexually assaults somebody <laughs> yeah. and then walks out. <laughs> and, like, I guess at the time period, right, I might not have been uncommon. I don't know. Like, that's just I weird, I was expecting right? a slap from the lady. Or something. Yeah, she just, just kind of looked over and I was like, okay. And then like went back to chatting. Yeah, and, and then she was like looking at her friend and just talking about. Well, like, what was I'm, that? Yeah. <laughs> Not, where's HR? Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, you just got a new job, but you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what were your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of sad. It was a good movie. It was a really good movie. <clears throat> it was a sad movie. It was a frustrating movie. It now pales in comparison to Marriage Story for me. Yes. Um, And I think that's also because I would say that Kramer versus Kramer ended On a better note. Yes. If you can say that, right? I think, yeah, if you boil it down, right, they were looking at what was the best interest for their son. Mm -hmm. And Meryl Streep, even though she had won custody of her son, she knew in her heart that son was at home with Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And she decided even though the courts had ruled with her, he should stay there because that's where he's going to be the happiest, which was it was nice to see that the best interest of the kid through the divorce is what mattered, especially after seeing the relationship that has developed between the two. From, And it, it was such a cool kind of nod from like, she leaves, and the next morning they're trying to make French toast, and everything's a mess. But then at the end of the film, they recreate that same exact scene of mm-hmm. making the French toast, and everything's, everything's down to fine. a pattern. Yeah. And I don't know, like that was a kind of a cool callback to the beginning of the film. It was the the first day that sh- that Joanna was gone mm-hmm. versus the last day he was supposed to be with his dad. That first day where he's like, he's a mess. His hair is like crazy. He's running late. His kid's going to be late to school to the point where he just sends his kid with some random lady. And he's like, uh, what grade are you in? How old are you? Third grade. Okay. He's in third grade. Take him to his class. I got to go catch a cab because I'm late. Yeah. Another thing that would never happen today, right? <laughs> right. You just drop your kid <laughs> off at a school and say, please take him. Especially Bye. in New York of all places. Like I could never see that happening. Yeah, there was so much Today. more trust, right, with yeah. like parents and things back, you know, in the seventies and eighties. 
of like, oh yeah, here, go. He's my kid. He'll <laughs> be fine. He's fine. But no, I think you guys kind of touched on it already that this was a much lighter story than marriage story. And like you said, I think primarily because it focused on one portion of it. And also it was a very different, they're two completely different stories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think what happened, despite both being about the same process, at least. And they kind of mentioned, right, the fact of when he's talking to the lawyer, he's like, this is going to turn a little ugly. Like, mm-hmm. just knowing how divorce lawyers are, and mm-hmm. we're going to take jabs at each other, and They're you nasty. need to be prepared. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what both movies do, is show the system and the legal process of divorce, and so many things that go along with it, is it's pretty broken and fucked up it's, it's i mean it it doesn't serve either party it literally ruins lives yeah mm-hmm. it ruins lives and like you said earlier it's hard to not compare the two movies because in kramer versus kramer by the end of the movie i was like joanna's okay like she's a she's a good mom she left that's a shitty thing to do to your kid but by the end of marriage story i was like this lady sucks. I can't stand her. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so I don't want to stay on this too long because I'm sure we'll come back to Kramer versus Kramer once sure. we revisit Marriage Story. So let's talk about our in-between. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Fighting with my family. <laughs> John Cena. Uh, who was... Only barely in this movie. Yeah. So he, I he, feel like... He was there for a couple frames. <laughs> I rock? feel like that's just... The Rock had a little bit bigger part. Not, yeah. But it's it's post-WWE Rock. He's also playing himself, right? Yeah. Just as The Rock. He yeah. is Dwayne he's, The Rock Johnson. He is not Jungle Cruise. Do you smell it? <laughs> Do I smell it? What The Rock's cooking? What's The Rock cooking? Something. Oh. <laughs> I thought you had a punch that. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's what... That's, that's what, what he, he says. says. Does he say that? That's his like his, catchphrase. Yeah. Can you smell? He says it in the movie like four times. I think. And then he goes. Do you guys watch WWE? No. I had to explain to Scotty that I came from Southern Indiana, mm-hmm. where there's nothing to do but watch, but watch NASCAR and WWE. Okay. So you had a different approach to this movie, I'm sure. But Jess, how about you go ahead and give us the synopsis of Fighting with My Family? Okay. Former wrestler Ricky and his wife Julia make a living performing with their children, Soraya and Zach. When brother and sister get the chance to audition for WWE, they learn that becoming a WWE superstar demands more than they ever imagined possible. So Soraya, essentially, who becomes Paige on stage, she gets the opportunity of a lifetime to go out for the WWE. And this is all based off of, based off of, right? <laughs> True events. Yes, based. Like, Take any so many take any are. movie that's based off of something. There there might be some yeah, and similarities. Seventy like percent bullshit. <laughs> so it's actually interesting that you say that because Scotty and I watched the the actual page the actual debut her fight. actual debut. Fight. I went and watched it afterwards. Did you? So then, after we watched that, I was looking at some stuff, and of course they simplified like her her growth into the WWE and her debut. Mm -hmm. But essentially she was like already a huge performer. She was like ready to. Yeah. She kind of fought her way up through the NXT, right? Is what 
so she real was, life events. She right. was showcased. doing like wrestling events like around Europe at the time before like NXT. Yeah, she wasn't just thrown into no. this huge thing from her family actually did have yeah. the WAW wrestling well, that was, thing. I like that in the movie. They put him at the end. Yeah. All, yeah. All, the, all the actual yeah, clips great. of her family talking, and that was great. Yeah, I think uh, her actual dad in real life came back and was kind of upset that Nick Frost was playing his character. And oh. he's like, yeah, he actually did a pretty good job. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he did a great job. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he, he captured it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, I just I'm gonna say this as somebody who has never watched WWE. Like, it was fun for what it was, and I'm sure there's a lot more that I could have picked up on if I had ever seen it or understood. I I think the hard part for me is like I've never understood what WWE actually is, and I think the line that best describes it is that it's not fake, but it's fixed. Yeah, from the movie, and that kind of helped me kind of get along with everything. Is like, yeah, all of the stunts that they're doing absolutely real have a 100% chance of like really injuring you uh I just want to know like where the fixed is right like when she stepped into the ring with uh who'd you fight for the title oh AJ Lee I think mm-hmm. Angie Lee is that AJ AJ, AJ, AJ Lee. Lee so when she fought AJ Lee was like was that predetermined that she was supposed to take the belt right there that's what yeah it's very unclear in the movie which makes me think that this movie was actually made more for people who don't watch WWE. I feel like this was one of those like classic sports feel good movies, mm-hmm. just just from something that not mainstream like your Blind Side or the and Titans. I, yeah, I mean the origin Remember story the enough is like the the who. Remember the Titans? The who? <laughs> what? I'm just making a joke. Who? You said, remember the Titans. I said, who? Boo. <laughs> I couldn't watch this movie and not think of the show Glow. So what's Glow? So Glow is uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. <laughs> okay. And it's got Brie Allison on it, in it. Allison and- Brie. Yeah, that, that one. Not Brie Larson. <laughs> <laughs> not Brie. I said, I said Brie Allison. Okay, Allison Brie. It, it's got Allison Brie. Who's the who's Brie, Liberty Bell? Allison. Oh, um, it's got a bunch of actresses, but essentially what happens in Glow is all of these uh, female actresses that are wanting to get acting roles and they all come from like different kind of backgrounds and origins, but they all start wrestling and it's like the first televised women's wrestling thing. And, League. Yeah. yeah. But the way that it ex- it's explained in Glow is that they know who's supposed to win the match, but mm-hmm. all of the like moves they do are real, and, they, and it shows them practicing those moves and stuff. So is it more like they're showing that it's like a choreographed fight, or they just go out and they like kind of know they've done it enough repetitions that, that if you get into this motion, you know this move is coming and you know how to react. It's like to a it. violent soap opera. Well, and I think because all of them have backstories and they all have stories and they're all fighting each other or have allies or you know alliances yeah, break and the then they become mm-hmm. enemies. And but move wise, I think there's like there's a language that they have which they don't explain in this movie. I'm trying to remember from like the wrestler, like Mickey Rourke's comeback mm. movie. Remember that? Did you ever see that? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't think I ever saw it. Where he gets messed up and they do like The Rock in this movie talking about how Vince Vaughn let him throw him off a 30 foot platform or something to make him look good kind of thing. Like they do shit like that, but it's, 
I don't think it's necessarily choreographed 100%. Okay. Or like in the debut fight where she's like, AJ Lee is on top of her, like hanging off of her. And even the announcer says if she doesn't get out of this, she's going to get really like actually physically hurt. Yeah, it kind of looked like a, a UFC armbar style okay. move where like either her elbow was on a break or her shoulder was dislocated or something. Like it definitely seemed like she was probably in a position where she needed to tap. But she decided, I'm going to just muscle through it and try to win this fight, which, again, kind of plays into the whole is it fixed theme. Yeah. Cause I don't know. It's still weird and unclear even after this. Because they even show, like, the scene at the beginning or toward the beginning where the, the, the big guy's in the office, uh, the dad's Nick Frost is on oh, the phone and with he's the guy. Like, yeah. And he's like, are you willing to take a, a garbage can lid to the face or whatever? And then he, he you know, he tries him. Hits he goes, him. what's it feel like? <laughs> and then he hits him. <laughs> and then he, he goes in the back room, comes back with a bowling ball. Throws it in his nuts. Like, are you willing to take one of these to the, to the bollocks? <laughs> he's like, Go ahead. And he hits him in the yeah, nuts he'll do with it. it. How much? Oh, only only yeah. 60 quid or whatever. <laughs> and then later they show the brother who got thrown on the thumbtacks yeah, on the like thing. Yeah, like suplexed and, onto a thing of tacks. Yeah. Like I doubt that those are completely fabricated. I'm sure that. And I'm trying to remember The Wrestler, the movie The Wrestler, because mm-hmm. that was similar stuff of like what lower level wrestlers would put themselves through. Well, the other thing that I just caught my attention they were always mentioning, like, you need to win over the crowd, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't know if that's what dictated the match, was just listening for how the crowd responded oh. to, like, are they chanting your name? Are they chanting someone else's name? Like, did they help predetermine? Well, obviously, I think they like, say what, you go out there and you can win fights, but you're not going to be on the main card, you know. Determine yeah, because, if the fans don't like you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting take on things, I think, Open my eyes to the world a little bit of what WWE is. I, I have family who watches it, at least when I was younger, right? But I never, I just found interest in it. I, I had no idea it was so large scale. Like when they were showing like the arena, there was like oh, yeah, 150,000 seats well, or something that were being in, filled. Like, and the Rock days, I mean, that's when I remember when I was younger, I had friends that watched it. And even back before The Rock became a movie star, uh, I feel like, from what I remember, a lot of people knew who he was, even if they didn't watch WWE. They knew who the, you know, The Rock. Well, and I think that's why so many WWE, well, I guess not so many, because the the two main ones that are big right now are The Rock and John Cena. Yeah. But that's why they move into acting careers, is because that's, that's essentially what they're doing. That's essessentially what they are doing. It's just they're televised stuntmen, essentially. It's also live, too, so that's got to be... right. Also something that's a little difficult versus like going into into movies where everything can be reshot and redone and edited. and <laughs> It's a big <laughs> well, like, improv um, stunt. Like what you said, though, being a big soap opera kind of thing. I mean, why do you think they can film and put out an episode of a soap opera every single day? It's because it's pretty easy to act that shit out. You just exaggerate everything <laughs> and not saying they're not, they don't need to be qualified to do that, but... I'm sure it's easier to keep up when you're just kind of doing drama, right? The yeah. Kardashians have a show for a reason. Well, I mean, I guess no offense to people who watch WWE <laughs> and like it who, you know, I'm not comparing it to their Kardashians in that way. They're much worse. <laughs> the Kardashians. WWE or Kardashians? <laughs> Kardashians. <laughs> Whichever one you prefer. <laughs> I'm just trying to appeal to everyone. 
Oh, and the yeah. other thing that I was going to say was it was in some article that I read that the three girls that she met in NXT where she was kind of feuding with them and then she became friends with them, um, if they were real people. And it said that they were more so models of the kind of girls that WWE was rec- recruiting at the time. Mm-hmm. Like they were all blonde and pretty and... But well, then, I think that was that was why that was Paige's big thing when she came out. She was different from everybody else. She was, yeah. So she was she was the youngest to she was the youngest wrestler to hold the NXT uh, championship belt and the, and the Divas, Divas the WWE Divas belt at the same time, and then she was because of her debut and because she was like different from all of the the girls that they were recruiting at the time. Uh, apparently, like, her whole wrestling career um, made it so that the diva fights got more uh, television time. Mm-hmm. So I thought I th- thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good, it was a feel-good movie, right? And I That's think how I yeah. consider a feel-good sports movie. And looking back on the week, I think it was kind of what we needed in between <laughs> Dreamer versus Dreamer and Marriage Story. Because I just wish it lessened Marriage Story. <laughs> marriage Story was a lot. So Thursday, we watched Marriage Story, which is an Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Noah Baumbach's incisive and compassionate look at a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. And... uh I I read that this was based on Noah Baumbach's actual divorce with yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, I believe. I read some similar things too that it was kind of similar to all of that. Yeah, situation. And if you look at their actual stories, right? He was a, a director was doing, on Broadway, and yeah. she was an up and coming actress, and they fell in love, and all of their like very similar characters. Yeah, the outline fits. So I, we've been talking about this quite a bit this podcast, and now it's finally time. But this was this was an emotional movie. I cried. Yeah, a lot. This was, <laughs> and I I think like kind of my first thoughts after it. I really enjoyed this movie, and the acting was incredible. But it made me so uncomfortable and sad. But that's just kind of a testament to how good the film was, and how ugly divorce can be, because. Again, like Adam Driver killed this role, and Scarlett Johansson did a, an amazing job as well. I think they both embodied their characters so well. And I've never been in a position to where I've resented both sides of a story, but also understood their motives and their reasonings behind it. So, I guess question for you then: Did you did you like both characters, or did you feel? I guess my question more so is did you feel like you were siding with one party over the other i guess i feel like my views kind of changed throughout the film as to how i felt about each character because i found myself liking each character at points found myself resenting and really disliking characters at other points and i think by the end of the film i was kind of in a place of in between as far as how i felt about them i was a little indifferent about each one because the lawyers in this film essentially treated both of their clients as just another pawn in a chess game of making sure they will win at any cost, disregarding human emotion, disregarding your feelings or anything. It was like, 
I'm going for the throat. Our goal here is to get everything that we can and to make essentially them as much money as they are able to make. You really feel the frustration with those scenes, particularly with the lawyers. Yes. And man, so his first lawyer, the older guy, that whole scene in the the room after the mediation where... He's telling the joke. <laughs> yeah, when he's telling the joke and he tells them, it's not looking good since you just moved out here. It looks like you're more willing to be out here in LA. And he's like, you're the one who told me to get a house out here. And he's like, yeah, I know. And, you know, and this is looking bad. And he's like, you're the reason, like, I did all these things because you told me these were going to be the best things for me to do, for me to keep seeing my son. And it's like, I don't know, you just feel like you can't fucking win. That scene made me turn the movie off and go for a walk at night where I saw a bobcat, really big one. It was pretty cool. So it worked out in the end. story. (laughs) Like I said, when I mentioned this in the beginning, I was kind of interested and I just I know a lot of people who are who come from parents who are divorced versus not having that experience in my own household. But I've heard all of the stories. I've heard the terrors of what people are willing to do, and it, it, it's kind of mind-boggling the fact that you shared a life with somebody for so long, but how you can get to a point of such hate for that person and disregard everything, and not even if it was. I guess like this story kind of showed that like they still cared about each other. They sure still loved each other, but the lawyers were willing to push it to that level well, and that's, to achieve whatever like the outcome that they wanted was. The whole process itself is so manipulative. Yes. And taxing and And so even that's the thing is I feel like it it drives people to be like what's the Them what's the quote what's the much. quote from the I forget if it was from this one or Kramer, where they said uh, like civil lawyers or whatever show the person a person at their best and divorce divorce lawyers show a person try to portray worst. the person at their worst. Yes, it's just such a I don't know this it's such a helpless feeling and it's so frustrating. I think the scene that best kind of replicates at least kind of what you're mentioning and the the lawyers like full intentions, right, of like what they really value out of any of this, which is obviously not their their parties or their clients, right, is they are in a heated discussion in their mediation, right, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, who wants lunch? And at the drop of a hat, yeah, they're like... the lawyers don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, they don't give a shit. They're not in it. They're, they're like, like they're oh, I'll take this and I'll take this and... Yeah. Yeah, and then like friendly conversation and then right back into it. And it's like this is the hardest moment in these two people's lives... And they're thinking about their stomachs. Because they're just doing their jobs. Yeah. That's how they see it. I well, know. And it's it's so terrible. And one of the most infuriating scenes in the movies was the end <laughs> when Laura Dern comes in after the whole thing's done, right? And she's at the party at their house and she's sitting on the counter talking to Scarlett Johansson, telling her, you know, oh, everything's done. I, I took care of the rest of it, whatever. And she says, hey, by the way, I won the when he's in L.A., I got you 55 45 split of custody. And she's like, I thought we just I thought we agreed on 50-50. I was fine with 50-50. And she's like, Oh, you know, you don't want him going to brag to his friends that he won 50-50 and you know, and all this shit. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? The scene that you were talking about where they they're ordering lunch, I think what's Kylo Ren's 
what's his name? Adam Driver. Yeah, so I think he, I think Adam Driver really portrays the way you're supposed to feel in that situation where he's looking at the menu and he can't even decide because it's like, you guys can eat at like a time like this and how I'm feeling and I can't even, I can't even look at this menu right now and think about what I want to eat because we're dealing with all of this other bullshit. Well, that was actually something interesting because in the opening letter, right, Scarlett Johansson talks about how his character always knows exactly what he wants, right? And then she never knows what she wants. But the roles were reversed in that situation because she was winning everything. He was losing everything. And he was at that point where he couldn't even think straight. But she had, like, it was stressful for her, but everything was being, you know, presented in a way that, because she obviously was able to get a more younger, fiercer lawyer who was cutthroat versus the guy that you can't, like, he's just a nice guy, right? And he's trying to, he would be a good mediator, right? Uh, And you don't have to pay for all your lawyer's fees yourself. But she was, you know, more level-minded to be able to be like, he'll have the Greek salad with this and this. And because it just kind of, like, that was a cool way to kind of show where each character was in the space at the time of the mediation. I think that also is interesting, too, because it it also, when that scene happened, I was thinking about, like, it's hard to live with someone and be, like, in a romantic relationship with someone, know everything about them, be their best friend, and then have something like this happen where... I just thought, like, it was interesting because she's like, oh, I know exactly what he wants kind of thing because they've obviously been together for so long but it's like they're not together or like in um kramer versus kramer when um what's his name ted's at the stand and the he's like prosecuting him and asking him all these really stupid questions and he's like yes i you know i was i missed this thing with work but it was because billy was sick and i was trying to take care of him and that's that's what yeah, was most important we're doing this custody battle and you're trying to point out that i can't retain a job because i had to leave because my kid was sick but that wasn't the and point that what, they were driving yeah exactly. and it's that's that's such the the like backwards fucked up way that i, I don't you know. can skew but, a narrative yeah. to support your claim or right. your point but the thing that hit me with it was that he wasn't looking at that whole scene when ted was on the stand and was the witness he wasn't looking at the prosec or the lawyer say like talking to him he was looking at joanna the entire time talking to her and I don't know, it just, it it was something about the way that his acting was. I think he did a really good job in that scene because for me, it was just him looking at her and the words that he were he was saying wasn't coming out, but like the feeling that he was, the feeling that he was per- portraying was you're literally tearing my life apart. Like this is, you are hurting me right now kind of thing, so... I think both films did a, a really good job at showcasing that. And Scott put it eloquently, essentially, from the quote of the movie, but it's, it's divorce is going to show you at your worst. It's going to bring out the worst side of you. Anything that you've ever said in your life will be used against you in some way. 
In Kramer versus Kramer, when his kid fell off the jungle gym and hurt himself, that was something that was used against him. But kids get hurt all the time, right? I think it's hard, especially when there's a kid involved, because there's a certain point where that kid comes into the picture. And it's really unfortunate because it's not really any, in my opinion, any of the kid's business. It's between you and that person. And, like, I thought it was really nice that in the Kramer versus Kramer, when he loses the case and he goes up to the lawyer and he's like, we lost. The only, He's like, well, can I get an appeal? And he's like, yes, but I'd have to bring Billy on the stand. He's like, I can't do that. And, yeah, I think both movies kind of showcase, too, that overall, like, the narrative should be doing what's best for the child, making sure that they are going to be able to live their best life through this situation, but it's never going to be that simple. It's, exactly. It's, never. it's not an easy thing to for someone to decide what's best for the child, and there's no, there's no legal process that could ever truly discover that, right? Or understand it. Or- exactly. So I, I don't know how often that's the outcome, right? And I'd wager probably half or more of the time it's not. And so I I think both of these both of these movies show very interesting and like you said one being much more modern nothing's changed, no. right? I think that's interesting. I mean, like a prime example of that is in each movie when they went to go talk to a lawyer the first thing that comes out of the lawyer's mouth is how much money? Oh, I'm $900 an hour and it will be a $15,000 retention fee or whatever it (laughs) is. Because like, that's really what matters to them is the money aspect, right? It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like it's, 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 it's a tough thing to wrap your head around. And for anybody, I guess, who's experienced it, I'm sure this movie brings back some of the worst memories (laughs) that you've ever had, but like I said earlier, I, I don't think there's two divorce movies I could ever put on this list again, Scott. So <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Moving into a lighter note, and I think the funniest movie that the people in the audience next to us ever saw, uh, The Eternals. Oh Comedy of the century. I was so annoyed So yesterday. on Saturday, we'll get to your annoyance in just a second. And it will probably bring up some past annoyances. Uh, But we watched Eternals on Saturday, uh, which was following the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces the Eternals, ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years, out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. So I think Jess got the full theater experience this week. (laughs) Um, cause I think there was a lot of things you wanted to say yesterday after our movie, but obviously I made you wait till now. Yeah. Scotty did too in the car home. And my only question to him was, was it better or worse than week three? Well, I want to, I want to hear your thoughts because yeah, you were definitely pretty heated coming out last night. Not to say that Scott wasn't. I think there was a moment I looked over and Scott was clenching his fist so tight that it was <laughs> Yeah, like, you pointed that out to me. You were you had like I looked over at you and your eyes were really big and I was like, What? And you like pointed over at Scotty and you 
were like stiff in your chair and you were going like this with your hand and you're just like I was never angry. That's good. I I, think, I was surprised to see how much it affected you. Well, what was funny for me, and then I'm gonna get to Jess because I really want to hear her thoughts. But what was funny was this movie did not make me laugh once, but I laughed <laughs> yeah. a lot Explain. because I I was looking over at Scott, and I feel like he was just like <laughs> he was squeezing his fist like it even hurts me to squeeze my fist like that like right now. And I was like, I was laughing at myself because I was like, I can't wait to hear what thoughts were. But then as the movie progressed, I saw Jess getting like Jess was mad. She she kept jerking her head he was. like. Like every couple minutes she would turn. But the reason I say this, and then we'll get to Jess's, her comments, but essentially any line in this movie that every, was read, every line, every yes, line, every in line in this movie, the people in the, that sat next to us laughed at. This was the funniest movie they have ever seen, or maybe the only movie they have ever seen, because every line of dialogue was followed up with laughter. They would have been laughing the whole way through Marriage Story. Yeah. That's what these people, I don't understand. There was literally a comment on everything. As an example of how far this went, please talk about your scene. My scene? Yes. Oh, the um, when Sprite gets punched in the back of the head, and all I hear from the right of me is... <laughs> I wish it was that quiet. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think you said to me after, too, and that's it's exactly how I felt through most of the movie, is... I wish that this movie was as entertaining to me as it was to them. I wish I had as much fun as they did in the theater. I really wish I did, but I did not. That's not that's not how my story went. So, I mean, I don't know how many movies you've been to in theaters in the past. I'm sure this ranks up there for probably one of, your movie theater. <laughs> one of your worst experiences, though. So I used to frequent movies a lot because I worked at the movie theater, mm -hmm. specifically the one that we went to. But I've had my fair share of like annoying experiences in the theater. But my frustration mostly lies in that I already struggle with longer movies because I have ADD. So like it's hard for me to focus on the movie already. So when there's external distractions that are happening that make it easier for me to be distracted from the movie, I get really frustrated because I'm like, I'm already having a hard time focusing on what's happening. And now I, I can't even like hear myself think at that point. And that's why I get so mad and it's hard to focus. upset because I'm like, I, I have no idea what's fucking going on. <laughs> I think that's the reason I love subtitles so much. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's something that I was watching. What was I watching this week? They don't help me. I was watching. They don't read. They don't. Because you don't know how to oh, read. Oh, I was watching Marriage Story. And uh, my parents happened to notice that I had subtitles on. And they were giving me a bunch of shit for having subtitles on. And you never had to. Stop the movie. But I could just keep watching it. doesn't matter what's <laughs> happening in the background. Like, it, at that point, I'm just reading a book, did right? Did you I'm say, just, while you were watching it, did you say, this is exactly why I have subtitles on <laughs> while they're talking to you? Well, they were laughing because, like, <laughs> at parts, there were, like, sad music plays. And that's, like, yeah. what the subtitles, yeah. like, they were losing the their shit. Stuff. And I was like, doesn't matter. Like, there's dogs barking. There's, <laughs> yeah. like, 
I, my mom got a new Dodge. I've been helping kind of take care of it a little bit. And there's dogs barking. They're having conversations. But I can just watch my movie with subtitles. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can't get at the theater. Yeah. And I think walking out of that movie, my first thought was like, maybe I just need to give up on theater movies for a while. I think we should get rid of AMC A-List. But I think you guys <laughs> should not money. go on Saturdays. Well, that's what I say well, yes. is maybe because Jess has worked there, she could say what is the day or at least a time frame that we should try to see theater movies in for a less crowded audience. I have it for you. Here we go. Sunday nights. We've done through that before, Tuesday. though. Through oh, Tuesdays. Oh, we have a time frame, bro. So maybe we start Mondays. We, we were going Tuesday, movie. Wednesday evenings, remember? It wasn't bad. Over summer, and yeah. it wasn't, never had this bad of an issue. I know, but Saturday is like the main day. Speaking of this, and this was something I meant to mention in the beginning, because I had, I had a few things I wanted to talk about before we got into the podcast. Oh. But... Right now, I'll do it. You said talking about dropping A-list. Well, guess what's coming back, baby? Movie Pass. No way. Yeah, so the co-owner of Movie Pass just bought the the business out of, or they they paid enough to get out of bankruptcy, and they're <laughs> essentially trying to get a business model done by July of 22 to start doing stuff again. Back to his best they can their original model so it's not gonna be ten dollars a month right for unlimited movies but it's gonna be somewhere in that realm but that gets you at least not having to go to amc every time you get to, That's go, true. To we can go to regal or go to that landmark the That's landmark super nice. yeah, yeah right so i thought that yeah. was kind of interesting look all i'm gonna say more about the movie theater experience is i uh, it's much easier for me to excuse that kind of behavior if you're reacting to the movie Like, it's still obnoxious and it's frustrating if you're the type of person that does not know how to internalize anything. And especially if you react in ways that don't really make sense to me for this movie. But versus week three, where that person just wasn't interested in the movie. He just didn't give a shit, right? So that's what pissed me off so much about that is their just complete disregard for anyone else in the theater because they were bored and they didn't like the movie and yeah versus this one like i said the whole time i was just thinking man i wish i enjoyed this as much as they did i'm glad they're enjoying themselves because fuck movies are expensive now and especially if marvel's going to start putting two and a half hour movies out all the time because this one really felt its length. oh my god it dragged on forever so me describing the eternals um it took an eternal (laughs) well no i felt this movie felt a little DC-ish to me. Like I, I just felt that they were just kind of throwing in a bunch of characters. And obviously, like they're from the same, like they're all, I don't know. It's just like we jumped into a Justice League movie, right? With a bunch of, I get that. we have eight different characters that we have to try to build character arcs for. And each one has their own, like, of course, it's going to be fucking four hours long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much that, other movies where they have an origin story, and I get this is the origin story of the Eternals. But well, what I saw a lot of was that I think this would have done better as a Disney Plus series. Yes, and yeah, I saw I a lot of people enjoyed saying it a that. lot more if we watched like, it on break Disney it up. <laughs> but and that almost felt like episodes of a show all cut together because of how they jumped around so much, and it was weird. Yeah, it was very fast-paced. There's a lot of things they had to introduce, right? And you're jumping from time period to time period, and uh, I don't know, just the way that they jumped around felt like... I felt at times I just wanted to get back to the present to see what was going to happen because the stuff they were showing wasn't even that 
relevant. Mm -hmm. It's like, we get it. You don't have to go back in time and show us 700 BC or whatever to show us exactly what happened to cause Druig to hate Sprite or some bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. It was all family drama type stuff. Okay, to be fair, though, like this was the weirdest Game of Thrones reunion episode I've ever seen. Because, I mean, (laughs) Rob was back from the dead. Him and Jon Snow were both fighting for the love of Cersei. (laughs) Rob learned how to fly and fight dragons. But what I can say, it was still a better ending than Game of Thrones season eight. So kudos to you. Uh, I think all three of us wrote that down. I was literally thinking it. Oh, um, earlier I was just going to say, for the, I was going to say a little PSA before you went into your thing about because I worked at a movie theater, if you are watching a movie and you get halfway through the movie and decide you don't like the movie, you can walk out, go to the front and get your tickets back. They will give you your money back. We already spent our money on a I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying for the people who are talking because they're uninterested oh, in the movie, a small PSA is that if you are watching a movie and you... You don't have to sit through it, you yeah, selfish prick. You don't. You really don't. You don't have to, you don't have to torture in, yourself like that. Guy in row D, seat seven. Yeah. Yeah. And his mom. And his mom. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, that's that's all I was going to say is you can, in fact, go and get your money back for a movie that you've half watched. I think that's a good note for everybody out there. I agree. There were some parts of this movie that I thought were interesting. Number one, and I think I only have one thing on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so part, number one. Final and home. <laughs> part one. Uh, that DC is part of the Marvel Universe because they reference Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I did some research on my own. There's at least 16 references of this in the comics to where like, there's characters either interacting with each other, like Superman versus Spider-Man, I think was one of the comics that mm. I, it was the first occurrence of this. So I just thought it was interesting that, you know, when in the future when Disney buys Warner Brothers, right, we might see something like this. <laughs> that a is point. a win. That's a good point. That is a win, by the way. Yeah, that's funny. I took it in this one, honestly, I didn't even think twice about it because I just took it as the, the Superman, like the comic or the, you know, TV show or whatever. I know, like I'm, how he is, how he exists in our universe. That's how he exists in their universe, in their universe as well. But I just also, thought they that, just have actual superheroes. That's what too. I was say is like you have actual superheroes. So, but the fact that but they I, mentioned yeah. Superman, maybe, maybe in an alternate reality. Speaking of which, did you guys see that new Spider-Man trailer, dude? I'm so ready for Gothic emo Tobey Maguire to come back and wait, Gothic emo Tobey Maguire, like Spider-Man three Tobey Maguire. Yeah, but he's I'm just going to be dirt Tobey in your Maguire. I'm gonna put some dirt in your eye. He's not gonna. I want that soundbite shot. <laughs> <laughs> you put some dirt in your eye. You didn't see it, Jess? Mm-mm. No, I didn't. All right. Well, we do a lot of spoilers on this, so spoilers for the Spider-Man trailer. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, multiverse Spider-Man. So at least all of the villains have been recognized in the trailer that are coming back. So Green Goblin, Doc Ock, uh, Rhino, Electro. So, so everybody that's ever been a villain in any Spider-Man movie. With Andrew Darfield, Tobey Maguire, whatever, they are all going to be a part of the new Spider-Man 
They have so much with Tom Holland, money. right? And then Venom, you guys never saw it. I don't Not know the if new one. you want to spoil the after credit scene. The after credit scene? Yeah, go for it. So there's an after credit scene in Venom sure. 2, but there's some sort of like weird kind of time warp thing where uh, Tom Hardy's laying on his bed and then like the all Flash of a sudden appears to him. Flash appears and then <laughs> Tom Holland's Spider-Man is on the screen and Venom's like, fuck that guy. I don't like that guy. And then it cuts. He doesn't say fuck that guy, but he's kind of like you could tell that <laughs> he's, flash he just there. sees spot. No, there is a flash. Like it, like oh, I it was changes about from the like, flash. Oh yeah, the I, flash. I said he appears and he says, "Yeah, Di- save Diana or whatever." He's <laughs> <laughs> but no, so there's insinuation that Venom will be also in this movie, and they might be hiding that. Might be hiding Tobey Maguire. Might be hiding Andrew Garfield. I'm excited. for Where that. is he hiding him? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Up Tom Holland's butt. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I think that just kind of brings you us back. Kind of, there are exciting things happening at Marvel. I don't. I think Scott hit the nail on the head by saying this would have been much better executed as a TV series, kind of like Wandavision or Loki or something, where you could really flesh out these fourteen characters. hours. You could even do you know. an episode at each of these time periods, right? Where they sure. did the flashbacks to wherever to kind of show these events unravel until we get to current day and see all of these things unraveling. And I'm not even going to get into the physics of this, right? But if some giant celestial being comes bursting out of the planet, that's, that's okay, gonna, bro. It's comics. It's going to throw off your <laughs> gravitational pull a little bit, okay? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, Earth's going to be pointing down for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. For me, this movie felt. Um, kind of like one big shoehorn. They're setting up for all of these other plans that they have, and obviously this is a movie where they'll have other things that are going on with whatever movies they're planning. It's a setup in the future, mm-hmm. right? But that's why it felt shoehorned because it's like, oh, we have these three movies that we're planning, and oh, this stuff isn't explained, so we got to make a movie about that so people know. And then whenever we get to the movies that we actually want to make, then they'll know, you know what what all these origins are and sure and i think it may just be at this point i've been conditioned right because we did grow up with this this has been what 11 years now more oh yeah more 12 maybe and so this is kind of what i've come to expect from a quick setup movie after the movie was over i went straight to my phone to look up stuff that i didn't quite understand to see how it all fit in like, I'm interested in Kit Harrington as the Black Knight mm-hmm. and Eros, uh, you know, Harry Styles popping up at the end of the movie. And so, like, they, I'm interested to see where it's going. Well, I, I think you mentioned on some of my favorite things as far as like the Marvel Universe goes. And it's usually the after credit stuff that's setting up what to kind of look forward excited. to, right? And that's where both of us, I think, go start digging into these just giant rabbit holes of like mm-hmm. who this character is, how they, you know, how do they, like what's their purpose in this universe? Like what stories to be told with this character? And like, that's just a lot of fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of Marvel movies, I've obviously like, there's been some that have done a lot better than others. And again, it wasn't a bad movie. It just, I feel it wasn't as well executed as I would expect from a Marvel movie. I, I don't even know who they're trying to introduce at this point. Like, obviously, like, we're going into more of a galactic 
kind of cosmic universe now, which is why we need to introduce what celestials are. We need to introduce... Right. And I don't know. Eternals it felt kind of like... And... I did get a little bit of a vibe of Captain Marvel, where you got to get this character out there so that you don't have to over-explain in the movie that it matters kind yeah. of thing. But I think it's extremely difficult to introduce so many characters in one movie. And that's why, I mean, you could have even, what like you said with the TV show, you could have even had an episode per character before you bring them all together. I don't know. You were saying people were really disliking it. And it wasn't as bad as I was expecting based on what you had said. I, th- I think. I think this is either the worst rated Marvel movie or the second worst. That's to Thor 2. Like Those I said, they've, boring. Yeah, they've had their bad movies. And this wasn't necessarily boring, but I just it was just a lot of information kind of thrown at you at once, which is not the typical Marvel way of doing things. And it like again, it wasn't a bad movie. I understood what they needed to essentially get across so that other things make sense. And I think because we are going like phase four is more focused around multiverse concepts. Yeah. Again, getting into that cosmic side of things, right? Galactus, which we've seen in Fantastic Four, right? It's essentially the entity that consumes worlds, right? It's not necessarily a celestial. It says it's a cosmic entity that balances between eternity and death and is a remnant of a former universe. So we have a much bigger scale of enemy now as we break into phase four. And I see what they were trying to do with this movie that we need to start understanding these concepts, the scale of things, understanding how big this is going to get. And again, just getting on the bare level of like what to expect. I just feel they, they just rushed it. It wasn't the best way they they could have done it. Yeah. Felt shoehorned. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think we can all agree that this wasn't the best Marvel movie and that they could have probably done it better, but I don't think there's a whole lot more to be said. No. Even though there was a whole lot of this movie. But Sunday. Yeah. Night Teeth. I actually I like really like this movie. movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Mitch, take us home. So to earn some extra cash, quirky college student Benny, played by Jorge Lindenberg Jr., moonlights as a chauffeur for one night. His task, drive two mysterious young women, Debbie Ryan and Lucy Fry, around Los Angeles for a night of party hopping. Taken captive by his client's charm, he soon learns that his passengers have their own plans for him and an insatiable thirst for blood. As his night spins out of control, Benny is thrust into the middle of a clandestine war that pits rival tribes of vampires against the protectors of the human world, led by his brother, who will stop at nothing to send them back into the shadows. With sunrise fast approaching, Benny is forced to choose between fear and temptation if he wants to stay alive and save the city of angels. So, essentially, this was a Netflix movie about vampires, but never once did they use the word vampire. No, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> so, you both liked it. <laughs> yeah, did, did you? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no. Okay. That's okay. fair. This, All right. This was, I don't know. I, I guess I've seen a lot of vampire movies. Yeah. And, obviously, I think they all have their own uniqueness to them, and there's never one set of rules that adheres to another set of vampires in another movie and things that might kill them in one movie might not kill them in another. Or they can see themselves in the mirror in this movie and in every other movie ever made. They can't. I don't know. Like (laughs) I'm not getting in, I'm not even getting into the, the, yeah, the dynamics of what makes or doesn't make a vampire. Okay. (laughs) I just, 
I appreciated. So like Alfie Allen plays this guy named Victor, who's one of the head of the vampires, right? <laughs> they have like five head <laughs> vampires that run LA kind of like gangs and they don't cross each other's territories and they have some weird BDSM fucking blood sucking cult that you can pay money to like get a a fix of I don't well, know. No, they're like blood banks. They're like I know, but people like pay for this service. Yeah, haven't you ever like donated blood, Mitch? Not to a vampire, no. Oh, how do you know where <laughs> it's going? Uh, <laughs> but what I was trying to say is like there was a scene where like Victor had blood on tap. And I was like, all I could think to myself was like, what is his drink of choice? Is it O negative, AB positive? Like, what is this dude drinking? <laughs> when man? he went for that, the first thing I looked over at Jess and I said, I said, that's a pretty low tap pressure. Like, he should fix that. And also, I would probably do nitro for blood because it's thick and it'd probably be smooth as hell. <laughs> but no, I did. so like, it, yeah, it raised some fun questions, made me laugh a little bit at times, but like, Essentially, the entire course of the movie had no altercations on anything, really, minus killing a few vampires and having some extremely attractive women show up for a scene and then get killed. Did that happen? Sydney Sweeney. Megan oh, you talking about Sydney Sweeney and Megan? <laughs> they were there for <laughs> who, who fucking had, who 10, had 10 seconds. seconds. Yeah. And, <laughs> 10 and really just cameos. were there to like explain some plot points. And to, to dressed in killed immediately. Yeah, like risque attire on a. I, would you call that cape risque? It was more tacky. Yeah. Than anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a quote from the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the word I used was tacky. Either way, like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it was weird. And then the ending. I don't know what you guys thought about that, but like, like Debbie Ryan and Jorge were like sucking each other's blood, but like Jorge's brothers like just broke his fucking neck because he got. Sp- fucking pulled from a chain but then he went like full like i'm gonna jump they into and sucking each other's yes blood. they were yeah they were yes they were she was that's why at the end of the movie um she was letting him drink hers to turn him right but she was they, like also had like a, she just had gotten stabbed my love so she was drinking, so they were drinking his blood to, blood yeah and they God were damn i don't like this movie now <laughs> just kidding. like a full fucking that's kinky blood circled <laughs> it was like a blood 69 <laughs> <laughs> oh god i mean yeah okay it was enjoyable right? it was dumb it was like it's what it i wanted from today that's exactly that's i think that's what i was gonna say is maybe any other day this week i would have been like ah this movie was whatever but today i was just so glad to have a netflix movie that didn't have anything topical it was a perfect escape you got jorge he's a sweet dude he likes music he's gonna be big someday now that he's and a vampire. And now he gets stuck yeah. in that, and he turns into a vampire, and he gets the girl, and it saves the day, and whatever, right? Like, yeah. that's that's it, all it is. It's say. not new. It's not... But what happened to his boy, abuela? She's okay. Yeah, his abuela is okay. She lives. Did he ever buy her a house? Probably. With well, all that music money he's going to get. Or the, the fucking bag money? of money he gave or, his brother. Oh, yeah. No, that's what happened. Yeah, he gave he's his like, brother money. Here's $10 million. Thanks for not killing me now that I'm a vampire. You know how much money was in that bag? Dude, yeah, I need dude. to take you to one of those places where they have the count how many Skittles are in the jar or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could win like a $10 Amazon gift card. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the aesthetic of this movie. I got a similar kind of vibe to Kate, which I felt a lot of people 
we talked about how a lot of people didn't like that and a lot of people didn't like this. And I feel like they're similar movies in the sense that they're well done. They're pretty stylistic. Yeah, for a movie that takes place not all at night, right? Yeah. It's very well lit. Things are well, I like the very clear. Right at the opening neon scene, lights. It was all the reflections of the on the car mm-hmm. kind of thing. Was yeah, all, it was very like cyberpunky, vicey kind of kind of I mean, I kind of felt more like nighttime LA kind of vibe, but like all it, the all of the um I don't know, it just kind of reminded me of like retro wave, like something you'd see on like a synth wave well, album a lot on of the YouTube music or something. Kind of went along with that too yeah. in the movie, right? So I I like that. I like the style of the film. And kind of like Kate where I like that, but I do see how it's not a it's not the greatest story, but again, Netflix doesn't need that. No. Right? Well, we've talked about that. Yeah. So I think this was I mean, this was everything I could have asked for from a Netflix movie. You throw it on, and is it enjoyable? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you liked this, Jess. What were your thoughts? It's good. It's a good awesome. movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was his name in the in the movie? Was Benny. It? Yeah, I liked I liked aspects of his character of Benny's character. Benny. Benny. Benny in the Jets. Benny in the Jets. Benny boy. He didn't like that. I don't care. Is he here? He might be. You don't. We know. can't see his He's reflection in the mirror. Well, no, you can't in this mirror. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he was able to like touch sunlight that next morning, but whatever. Maybe he wasn't full vamp yet. Semantics. Logistics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say other than I thought it was entertaining. And overall, I thought it was a fun movie. It was an easy movie. So I find, at least from doing this for the last month, that Sunday movies are typically the hardest movie to talk about. Yeah. And I just want to hear Europe. Like, is it because, like, you're – You've been talking for the last few hours about things. Is it more of it's the most recent thing in your head, so you haven't had time to process it? Like, No, it's just that there wasn't, in this specific movie, there wasn't anything that like really stood out to me that was like, that's something I want to talk about. Versus? Versus some of the things that we talked about in like The Marriage Story or Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. where it was like something that was more emotional or something that I connected with. There wasn't really anything in this movie that was like that. It was just a fun vampire story. Exactly, yeah. right? And I, and I think we do that sometimes. We've done that in the past that I think we're we're learning and getting better with is a movie. You don't have to necessarily have anything to say about a movie other than you liked it or you didn't like it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, good mean, good yeah. movie. And if you enjoyed it, it's time... Well spent. If you didn't, whatever, you're not getting it back. (laughs) Like, that's kind of part of this experience is accepting that. I think that's also a good leeway in, unless you guys have other things you want to talk about with Night Teeth, but how do you feel this week was, like, at least watching all these movies, your value of time, Jess? I felt like most of the movies were enjoyable, even if some of them were overly emotional. But I like that in a movie. As an artist... 
you know, evoking a certain emotion from your audience, I think is a really cool thing to do. And if you can achieve that in a movie, I think if you can make your audience feel something on an emotional level or be angry at a character or side with another character, I think you're doing your job right. And I really appreciate that in movies. Like I, I love movies where I'm like, I'm really sad. Like I'm crying because I'm, this is so upsetting and realistic. And how was it like, I just trying to plan a movie into your day each week. Like, did you find that process easy enough or was it? No, it was fine. I mean, usually whenever Scotty is watching the movies, like that's after my work day is done. So, I mean, we'll eat dinner and watch the movie usually together anyways. So, yeah, I guess it's just, it's interesting to kind of hear an outside perspective on things. Um, Because obviously like our week one expectations are kind of, like where we were at is kind of similar to where you're at right now in just terms of... We didn't know what we were getting into. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and it I guess it's also, it's also good to know, like, from an outside perspective, you could stop at any point you want, right? Like, yeah, that's and, true. And we, we have a stopping point. It's just, you know, 40, in a year. 47 weeks or well, something. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it helps knowing that... But there is a I just have to get through this week. Yeah. But I mean, what I will say though is, I think overall this this week had a pretty decent set of movies. I mean, obviously, I think there's definitely some that will be forgettable to me in the near future, and that happens with all of these, just because I have to push them out of my head so I can bring in seven new ones to to discuss. But I I I, I found myself enjoying pretty much every movie this week. So then, let me ask you, what were your guys' favorite movies this week? And what was your least favorite movie this week? Marriage Story was definitely my favorite, even as taxing and, I guess, upsetting and just the roller coaster of kind of emotions you feel with that movie. Like, you you can't discredit the acting, the screenplay, just how well everything was done from the perspective of creating a movie. And then, I guess, my least favorite this week, maybe fighting with my family or... Again, not hmm. even saying that it was like a, a bad movie. Yeah, it just sure. wasn't a standout compared to the rest. And and I think that's part of like I don't have the investment with WWE that other people have. And maybe had I grown up watching that, I'd have more of an interest in that. I just like the story. Just Is it like an, a Eurovision. I loved Eurovision. <laughs> I loved it. Of course you did. Yeah, that episode's not out yet, so you don't know. I was one of the ones that I got to watch. Was Eurovision? Yeah. What about you, Scott? I did not like the movie. What was your favorite and least favorite? I did like Yeah, Yeah, Ding. Um, I seem to be in the minority in the room right now. I didn't care for this week compared to other weeks. This week was draining. Like, I, I was just exhausted. I'm going to say my least favorite movie, but I didn't like Marriage Story. And it not because it's a bad movie. I would like to go back and not have watched it and not have dealt with that. And that's a personal thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just, between that and Kramer, it was so stressful to watch them. And I felt like it affected me overall. I feel like you're a really empathetic person, though. So it's hard for you to not put yourself in the shoes of what you're watching. And so, like, when something happens to a character that's, like, devastating, it's devastating to you as well. 
while you're watching. And I think that might be why it's so emotionally taxing on you specifically. Whereas I do the same thing to an extent where I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to deal with these issues. But at the same time, I can like disconnect myself from that situation and be like, well, I'm not in that situation. What were your uh, favorites and least favorite though, Jess? Um, my favorite was probably Kramer versus Kramer. I liked that movie a lot. And my least favorite was Eternals, but mostly because it was very long and the experience wasn't great, as you mentioned. Yes. See, that was, was my favorite. It was frustrating to watch. Was it really? The Eternals? Yeah. Yeah. It oh. really solidified the fact that I am not insane in disliking going to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. Theater sucks, man. <laughs> well, I just, just to kind of wrap up this episode, Jess, what are your final thoughts on the week? I thought it was a fun week. Like, I. Would you I do mean, it again? With y'all? Probably not. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to start my own podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed the week. Yeah, we really appreciate you I'm sorry uh, joining you us this week. Okay. Thanks for having me. Jess, also known as Peachy Pit, you can find on Instagram at peachypit.art or on her website, peachypitart.com. And as always, you can find more about us and each week's schedule and hopefully more fun things to come on Instagram and TikTok at NDNM Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Okay,